Thank you, brother. It's good to be here. It's good to be in church. I know I see it on your faces. You all look excited about being here. Hey, but look, there's many other places we could be. We could be dead and in hell. We could be in jail and prison. We could be out there on the streets homeless. But God in his mercy has got us sitting in church on a Sunday. What a wonderful thing it is that God has given us the opportunity to be in church this morning. My name is Dale Morey from Liberty Behind Bars Jail and Prison Ministry. I spent uh, most of my life in jails and prisons in three different states. I spent my life in rehabs, mental hospitals. I'm an ex-gang member and an addict. And Jesus Christ, 10 years ago, stepped into my life, changed my life, and now has called me back to my people who are in jail and prison. Why? We send missionaries over to foreign countries, rightfully so. And with them, we prayerfully support them. We support them financially that they would win the nationals to Jesus Christ, train them, and send them back to their own people. And that's what the Lord has done with me. He's taken me from the jails and prison system, and now he sends me back to my people that are in jail and prisons across the United States. Why? What is the purpose? Well, we just look on the, on the bulletin here, and it says, for the gospel's sake. For the good news. Uh, there's good news for people such as myself that they don't have to stay in the life that they're in. There's good news, and his, uh, his name is Jesus Christ, and what he does, he comes in, and he changes lives. He say, man, this is Sunday school, you get excited, because I know where Jesus Christ brought me from. Maybe we ought to take a, a look at ourselves and remember where Jesus Christ has brought us from, whether you come from where I come from, or whether you come from a, a little boy in Sunday school, it took the same blood to save you as it did me. It took the same cross. It took the same forgiveness of Jesus Christ to forgive you as it did somebody like myself. And for the gospel's sake, uh, Jesus Christ has raised up some men and now he wants to send them out to preach the good news, to, to tell them, hey, listen, uh, you don't have to be in this life anymore. This doesn't have to be the end of all. There's more to life than what we physically see in our hands. And so I just want to share with you a few minutes on God calling all men. All men. Look, look, I'm not talking about biological males. You understand what I'm telling you? We're born as males because of our genitalia. But that does not make you a man, my friend. There's a whole lot more than manhood than what I understood as manhood is being out there on the streets and right fighting and, and throwing fists and doing whatever else and, and being in jail and prison and having to defend somebody for the things that they've done to me uh, for going out there and being able to have uh, babies with multiple women and such. Like. That's not what manhood is. But we've lost what manhood is in America, even in Baptist churches. I'm not saying here, I'm not, but look, here's what I'm telling you. I travel around enough to see that manhood is leaving the churches. If my son can't come into a Baptist church and see what men are, then what hope do we have for America? Hey, look at, we can blame the government for many things, but we can't blame them for the failures of the churches. Men have forgotten to take a stand. You know, when I was out there on the street, I may have stood for all the wrong things, but I stood for something. 
And now that I have Jesus Christ in my life and he's given me a new life and he's given me a new hope, I'm going to stand for that. I'm going to stand for the truth that's in the King James Bible. I'm going to stand for the blood of Jesus Christ and the forgiveness and the hope. What's it say? And the hope that lieth within me. There's a hope in me that I want to share with the people that are in jail, in prison, those that are out there on the streets, because there's a hope that they don't see. Why? Because we're out there too busy preaching a religious Jesus. We're not preaching the Jesus Christ that has the power to change lives. Hey, the Jesus I serve changed my life. He didn't leave me the same person doing the same things that I've always been. That's the Jesus I serve. But, you know, we as men, we lose that focus. Turn with me to Isaiah chapter 46. Isaiah chapter 46. You know, I don't have manhood perfect. I didn't grow up with a man in my life. My mother was a single mother. She struggled with her own addictions and her own problems. And so I was absent of any man in my life. He said, well, how'd you learn what it is to be a man? Good old King James Bible will teach you what it is to be a man. Uh, God and the Holy Ghost will teach a person what manhood is outside of what we see, this world that tries to depict what a man should be. If you take society's definition of what manhood is, it, all it does is make you effeminate. What's effeminate mean? Effeminate doesn't mean homosexual. Effeminate means it's a man who reacts on a woman's emotions. That's what males have become today. They are people who react on women's emotions. And it's not a wonder why everything gets switched up. Because men are supposed to have that calm and cool collectness about themselves. God made us an intellectual being for our emotions to be in second place. That's not how it is today. Men are more emotional today than they are intellectual. And it's destroying America. It's destroying our churches because men have become effeminate. Get their panties on upward because somebody says something out of the way. My goodness, and we're supposed to run a home in a church? Brother, let me ask you this. What do we have to show these people outside of these doors we have than what they're different than what they have already out there? When I go into jails and prisons across the United States, they always tell me this. They say, why do I want to come to churches when they do all the fighting just like we do? Arguing and bitterness and everything else is going on. And we're supposed to go out there and we're supposed to tell them something different. That there's something different in churches. There's something different in a place that preaches the King James Bible. But yet they hear different stories about it. But we're trying to portray something we're not living. Why? Look at Isaiah chapter 46. Look at it says here in verse 8. Remember this. And show yourselves, men. Uh, listen, men, uh, God has given us a great responsibility. I had a man once tell me this. I said, you know, God has given men a great responsibility with the gospel and the family and ministry. And you know what he told me? I don't want that responsibility. You may not come out and say it, but your life will show it. God has given us a responsibility as men to do those things that he has directed us to do in that Bible. But I'm telling you now, actions speak louder than words. Let me just ask you this. Uh, you may have heard this if you come to any of the, the men's fellowships that I preached at. Let me just ask everybody in this room a question. When is the last time somebody came and knocked at your door wanting what you have spiritually? What are they seeing? 
You see, Romans 8, 29 says that they should be seeing Jesus in us. Uh, there should be something different about us. Uh, look at, uh, you know, how about when that one that uh, cuts you off in the car? Or the one who gets in line in front of you and your, and your wife in, in the grocery store and you start cussing them out in your heart? Or about that woman who's standing there with purple hair and bones through her nose and earrings and every orifice of her body. And all you do is stand there and judge her. Did not Jesus Christ die for her just as well as he did us? But as men, we've lost that process. We've lost it. Hey, when I, I, I watch a lot of men go in jail and prison. I call them religious workers. And I watch them go in there. And I watch them walk out of there with no hope for those men. They just got to, I just went to jail and prison. It's a badge of honor they wear. Because they've lost hope for those men and women that are in jail and prison. God forbid if I ever lose that, that God would sit me in a chair and let me go to heaven from a church pew. I don't need to go in there and fret or spread any more foolishness than what's going on. Them men need to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. The change of life that Jesus... Hey, the fact is, is the men have lost belief that Jesus Christ can change a life. Hey, brother, that's why they implement programs in every church all the time. Why? Because then programs take the preaching of the word of God. Then programs show people how much belief they really have. I'm not against programs. Believe me, I'm not. I think they're very useful when done properly. But my goodness, when programs start taking over the preaching of the word of God, when programs start taking over our belief in what Jesus Christ can do for our life, we have lost our manhood. We've lost what it meant to be Christians. 15-year opioid addiction I struggled with. How do you think I got off that opioid addiction? I didn't have to go on other chemicals to get off of chemicals. Jesus Christ delivered me from a 15-year opioid addiction. Jesus Christ took me out of the gang lifestyle. Jesus Christ is the one who delivered me from jails and prisons. Jesus Christ is the one who delivered me, you ready, for 12 psychotropic pills a day that they had me on. You say, well, gosh, you're pushing that a little bit. No, I'm just telling you where we lost our belief. Because now everybody thinks you, uh, you need this plus Jesus and that plus Jesus. My friend, I'm telling you today, we need Jesus Christ and some people who will believe it again. My goodness. He says, remember these things and show yourselves as men. Look at Ezekiel chapter 22. Ezekiel chapter 22. Excuse me, I got sipped there. That was full. I need it. Thank you, brother. Ezekiel chapter 22. Look at it says here. Hey, I'm just going to give you a challenge here. I want you to sit here while the Bible's being preached. And I just want you to ask yourself this. What are people going to remember me? What kind of man are people going to remember me for? It's a challenge in our hearts. And hey, missionaries. What are people looking at us for? Do we, do we, when we go into church, do they look at us? Well, that's just another missionary family. Or they sing our mission in our heart. Do they see why we're really doing what we do? Do they see a passion in our lives for the things that we're called to do, for the places that we're sent to go? Or are they just looking at us like missionaries? 
That's a challenge. Because people need to see something different in each and every one of us. And the people and the, pa- the passion that we're going out there sharing, isn't that what it's called? For the gospel's sake. The good news. Hey, there's still good news in 2022. I don't care how grim it looks. Uh, people have forgotten. I don't care who's president. I don't agree with the president. But I tell you what, God allowed him to be in control, didn't he? We're always worried. Hey, let me just say this. We can blame the government for many things, but we cannot blame him for what's going on in our churches. That relies on the men in the churches. Look at it says here in Ezekiel 22:30, And I sought for a man among them that they should make up a hedge. You see that? They should make up a hedge. That means there should be a hedge being made by the men. That's something that we are called to do. We don't just go, hey, Lord, can you put a hedge here? No, he says, who should make up a hedge. And that means you men and the churches should come together and form a hedge around this church in prayer and in fasting and in preaching. He says that I'm looking for those men and stand in the gap before me and the land. Imagine you men standing there between that next person that may go to hell. You may be the one. You may be the one that says exactly what God wants you to say and that person may get saved. But are you willing to stay in that gap? Because I'm going to tell you right now, that's a lonely gap sometimes, isn't it, missionary friends? It's a lonely gap that you've got to stand in sometimes. You feel like you're in that foxhole all by yourself. But that God didn't give us. He didn't say, well, if things are going well, stand in that gap. Oh, no. It's in the bad times, though. It's in the times like today, the end times we were in, where people are more apt to step off the edge of hell into eternity. The seriousness, the graveness of souls being saved lies upon each and every one of us, whether it be in our homes, whether it be in our churches, whether it's somebody you bump into at the store. How do you know God didn't send that person your way to talk to him that day? He says, I'm looking for a few to stand in the gap and to, to build those hedges. I'm looking for some men to do that. Look how sad it says. He said that I should not destroy it, but I found none. I found none. You know what breaks my heart? It's watching churches close today. Good, fundamental, Bible-believing Baptist churches closing by the dozens. You know what that tells me? The men have stopped standing fast. The men have stopped praying and fasting. The men have stopped being willing to go into churches that are closing and let God lead them to raise that thing back up. We have church planners and church builders and starters and everything, and that's wonderful things. But I'm going to tell you what. America needs some people to stay here. And I'm not against foreign missionaries. I'm for it. I support it. I pay. I have foreign missionaries that I support on my own with me and my family. I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is we need to get some people, some men, built back up and get them in churches. Your pastor is one of them who does. He's planting churches here in America. They shouldn't be closing at the rate that they are. But why? Because some men, it may not be the pastor's fault, but what about the men sitting in the pews? You're going to have to answer for that. You're just as responsible for that. He says, I'm looking for some that will stand in the gap. Psalm chapter 12, verse 1 says this, Help, Lord, why? For the godly man ceaseth. 
Uh, that means they're stopping. It's hard to find godly men anymore. Hey, you know what they say? If it, if it walks like a duck and it talks like a duck, it's a duck. Well, let me just tell you this. If you live like the world and sound like the world and smell like the world, you're of the world. They need to see Jesus in us. You know why I stayed at the church I'm in? Not because of the man, not because of my preacher who I love dearly. But for the first time in my life, I've seen something different in him. I didn't just see a religious person. I saw Jesus in that man. And I wanted what he had. You know why? Because I was tired of 40 years living out there in addiction. 40 years of living out there on the streets and being in uh, gangs and uh, living in prisons and mental hospitals throughout the state. I wanted out of what I was in. The sad part is we can't get people there today. You know what happens to people like me? We want out of what we're in only to be released from what the programs they put us in. We conform. We do what they, we do what they tell us to do because we want to just be left alone and get out of that program. I finally came to a point in my life where I could care less about an NA or AA program because I'm going to tell you, they've never changed my heart. The rehabs always sent me out there to do the same things that I've always done. They've never changed my heart. Jail, prison, mental hospitals, they've never changed my heart. Only Jesus Christ can change your heart and make that person new. And we're out there preaching all this other stuff. Let me just say this. I am not in recovery. I am recovered ED. It's over with. Uh, Jesus Christ promised to make me a new man. Either that's the truth or it's a lie. It says in 2 Corinthians 5.17 that all things are become new. All things are become new. If any man be in Christ Jesus, he is. That's a definite article. He is. That means it's 100% the truth. He is a new creature. Doesn't mean I'm a new being. I still have all hundred and some odd tattoos that cover my stinky body. God didn't take that from me. But what's that new creature? I have Jesus Christ living inside of me. And with Jesus Christ living inside of me, he's given me the power to change my life. He's given me the power to walk away from those things. Forty years this world tried to change me, my friend. Forty years. And in ten years, Jesus Christ flipped my whole life upside down. Something this world, their medications and their programs could never touch. Oh, but I, felt, I walked into the, this wall called the love of Jesus Christ and it turned my whole life upside down. But we got everybody stuck in everything else. And what good is it doing? What good? You know why? We've lost the ability to believe that Jesus Christ can change a life. Why? Men. Men have lost the ability to believe anymore. Hey, let me just say this, and I'm going to step on some toes here, and I'm okay with that. I've been stepping on toes my whole life. Just because I got saved doesn't mean I'm going to do it. It's a little more clean now. (laughs) People today have lost the ability to believe that Jesus Christ can change a life. Therefore, they accept any profession as salvation. That's reality. They'll accept any profession as salvation because they no longer believe Jesus Christ can change a life. But let me just tell you this. A profession is not salvation. Jesus Christ is. 
And when Jesus Christ gets in a person, he changes them. I don't care where you've been. I don't care where you're at. There's, look, at, do you serve a powerful God? Oh, yeah, I serve a powerful God. Then why can't he change your life? We believe he spoke this world into existence, but yet he can't change my life? The problem isn't with God, my friend. The problem's within the person. They haven't had a heart change. You know, there's a scientific study that was done. And I'm going to use you as my example. I'm going to die. We're all going to die, but I have a heart disease and it's going to kill, or I have a disease and it's going to kill me. But I have a good heart. And they say, you can use it because you have a heart disease. Then they got to, they got to do a heart transplant. And so I say, hey, I want to donate my heart to him. And so uh, the time comes, I die, they got me on the table, they open me up, they open him up, and they put my heart inside of him. Now he has this new heart in him, and he's, he's got new life. And after some time of, of healing, his, his family comes up and says, hey, man, uh, let's go get you out of the hospital. You've been in the hospital a while. Let's go get you some real food. And he says, yeah, I want to go get me a fish fry. And they bring him to his favorite place to get that, that Friday fish fry. And he gets in there. And he takes a bite of that fish fry. He goes, oh, that's disgusting. And everybody looks at him like, what do you mean? You've, you've loved that for years. That's always been your favorite food. What do you? He goes, I, I just can't eat that. And so time goes on and he's home and uh, his wife comes up and says, hey, honey, um, I need you to change the light bulb up in that light. There, uh, can you get up there and change that? And he says, yeah, no problem. He starts walking up on that ladder, and he notices he's starting to shake. And he's getting sweaty. He's like, man, what's going on with me? And all of a sudden, he's, he's afraid of heights, that he's never been that before. And so all these things start coming up, good and bad, good things and bad things come up. And he goes to the doctor, and, and he says, doctor, you know, what's going on with me? He says, all these things are going on. He goes, well, we didn't tell you. He goes, but when you take on somebody else's heart, you'll also take on some of their likes and their dislikes. Why? They had a change of heart. When a person has a change of heart, it changes who they are. It changes what they do. It changes their thinking. It changes their desires. I don't care. If a person has Jesus Christ in them, and I tell my men this all the time, I say, look it, you believe that God is all-powerful. And when you come out of prison, you go, man, I got to go back to the same neighborhood I came out of. Is Jesus Christ able to hold you in that place or no? Can you go back into your neighborhood and live as a Christian because God is all-powerful and not you? Go ahead. That just challenged some people's hearts right there. Because you know why? They don't believe it can happen. Let me tell you this. I was a meth head for many years. I smoked crack and all that. I liked it. Today, when I'm out there working with the men on the streets, I go sit across from men who are smoking crack in a pipe. Men who are shooting dope in their arms. And guess how much that affects me? Zero. Zero desire. Zero effect when a man's sitting there smoking a cigarette and drinking a 40 out of Old English, which I used to drink. You know how, how much of an effect that has on me? Zero. Why? Because I have Jesus Christ. I have a new heart. But men are, have forgotten how to uh, preach believing in Jesus Christ and a changed life. God, he's got a way with doing things. He moved me into a place, and you can ask my son this, 
that's surrounded by meth labs and prostitutes. What kind of effect do you think that has on my Christian life? Zero. None. Why? Because Jesus Christ changes lives. Men, we have to get back into believing that Jesus Christ changes a life. We can't just accept anything because Jesus Christ says you'll know them by their fruits. You'll see a change in their life. Something will happen. It may not happen overnight. It did not, it did not happen with me overnight. It's still going on. I'm still under construction, okay? I got 40 years of living out there in the world and only 10 years as a saved person. But I'll tell you this right now. I am not the same person I was 10 years ago. I'll tell you this right now. I'm not the same person I was six months ago. He didn't just save me and just go ahead and put it in neutral and we're done with you can coast out of here. Oh, no. Oh, no. He's got things that he needs out of my life and puts it in. Why? Because now he's called me back to a people that I used to fight, that I used to go up against, that I hated with a passion, that I would have did anything in my power to turn them to come my way. Now, if I can't handle those things that I... Uh, how about if anybody's been in jail or prison here? How about if I come up and invite you to a private part? How about if I touch your, broom, your foot with a broom or a mop? To those who don't know it, that's a disrespect. Somebody's, you're, you're getting it. It's on at that point. You know I've had that happen to me as a saved person? You know how I reacted? I didn't. I didn't. People are going to spit at me and everything else. Go ahead. Did that to me in my past. You know what would have happened. It would have been fist to cuffs. God changes lives. When a man is called, he's called. But then Paul says this, not only was he called to the gospel, but he was separated. He was separated unto the gospel. That means that Jesus Christ put a calling on his life, but then came a separation. There came a sanctification of a man's life. Why? So that he can do that ministry. God has called you and he has sanctified you and called you and sanctified you to that ministry. That's your ministry that is sanctified. And let me tell you something. Sanctification is one of the hardest things I've been through in my life. I thought being a gang member and going in and out of jails and prisons and being an addict was a tough thing. Let me tell you something. When God puts his finger on your heart, and he tells you you can't keep this in your life anymore, my friend, you'll face more fears that are going through that than you ever will anything you face out there on the streets. But it's called the sanctification. Why? Because God has to make a man into what he needs him to be to be able to go out there and fulfill that ministry. Or else I would not be able to stand in a jail cell and put up with the things that I... Trust me. I can sit here and tell you things that I'm called all the day long. You know how I react to it? I just tell him I love him. I'm praying for you. I had a man tell me this. I kept going around. Rochester, New York, up in the uh, mainframe. Double floors, tier here and a tier here, so I get to talk to all men. The mainframe was where the, they keep the, the bad boys away from the bad boys, okay? They can't play nice one with another, so they put them in the mainframe. And in the mainframe, uh, I went over and the, 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 the sheriff said, where do you want to go? I said, put me somewhere nobody else wants to go. And the sheriff and the undersheriff, Ty Baxter and Corey Brown, looked at, looked at each other and they said, let's put them in the mainframe. I said, the mainframe it is. Three and a half years in the mainframe. Three and a half years I'm in the mainframe ministering. 
I'm going in there. They're threatening to spit on me. They're calling me, why are you coming in here to preach this white Jesus? I mean, they're, I mean, they're letting me have it. And then I go in there and I start going around and about my fourth time in uh, going into that jail, I had a, a man come up to me and he kicked the top of the cell. You know, it would be right near my face right here. He said, bong. He kicked it and he said, hey. He said, I got to talk to you. He had a tear in his eye. Hey, brother Art. He said, I got a tear in his, he had a tear in his eye. He said, I got to tell you something. He said, I've been watching you walk in here. I've been listening to you. He says, you're different. He goes, you used to be one of us. How did you get to the point where you don't react that way anymore? I said, son, God has changed my life and changed my heart so I can come and talk to you. And he laid down on his face. This is a man who laid down on his face. He's got a tear in his eye. He goes, you know, I hate white people. He goes, but because of you, I've had a changed heart. He goes, I fought four times to come into this gate. He goes, I can no longer stand it. He goes, I need what you have. Became one of my best Bible students. But what if I were to react the way that I used to on the street? You see, that's where the separation comes in. That's where the new heart comes in. If a man tried, gets tried that, and he doesn't have that sanctification, he doesn't have that calling, he's going to fail. But when God starts that sanctification, that separation in their life, he will be able to do it because Christ is in him. That's the hope of glory, that we have Christ in us. That's the newness of life. He's led us. It says, let all who name the name of Christ depart from iniquity. You know what that word let means? I've given you permission and the strength to do it. I thank God he didn't leave me the same person I've always been with, the same struggles that I've always had. I thank God for his goodness and his mercy that he would reach down at what we call the bob, B-O-B, bottom of the barrel. He reached down the bottom of the barrel and he took me out of that bottom of the barrel and now he has set me up and says, now I want you to go forth. All right, Lord, I'm going. He says, we need some men to build up that hedge, to stand in that gap that he destroys not. He says, but I found none. That's a sad, sad thing to hear today. When men have forgot, but look at, why is this taking place? Uh, Titus chapter 2, verses 1 and 2 says, But speak thou the things which become sound doctrine, that the aged men be sober. That's clear thinking. It doesn't mean just to abstain from drugs and alcohol. To be sober means to have a clear thinking, something that's undisturbed that you're th- in your thinking. Hey, somebody can come up and say something to you. It'll get you out of your clear thinking. Somebody else will come up and say something to you. You'll handle that situation totally wrong because you don't have sober thinking. Do you know how many men I can point out in churches today that have that? And we wonder why we can't find men today. They've given up the sober thinking. And look what it goes on. It says here, uh, he says, The aged men be sober, grave, temperate, sound in faith, in charity, and in patience. My friend, one of the lost things in Christianity today, not in this church, I see it's going on, but what's going on is men are not teaching the younger. Then who are they looking up to? Oh, you get mad at your child when they look up to Superman, Spider-Man, you know, uh, uh, Jay-Z and all that. You get mad and angry when they start listening to that. Well, you've given them nothing else. Hey, you don't have to be. There's kids in our church that don't have a dad. You know it's okay for a man to step in and be a friend to that young man and teach him the things of God. How else will he know it? 
a failure in our churches today that men aren't stepping up to be that man. When they see something going on, go to the pastor, bring it to his attention, and then try to take care of that thing. Deuteronomy 4, 9, you don't have to turn there. It says, only take heed to thyself and, and keep thy soul diligent. Lest thou forget the things which thy eyes have seen. You, you older men have seen some things. Even you younger men who may have grown up in church, you have seen some things that can be help or helpful to those that are coming up behind you. To those who may be of your equal who got saved at a later age than you did. He says, remember those things. Look after your soul diligently. Hey, I, I look back and go, man, thank God you saved me. From, not only did he save me for, out of those things, but he saved me from a whole lot more. Uh, could you imagine if I was still out there on the streets today, what I'd be like? I'd be in dead and in hell or be in prison for life. That's a fact. He says, remember, take heed to thy soul diligently. Lest thou forget the things which thy eyes have seen and, and lest thou depart from thy heart all the days of thy life. But teach them to thy sons and thy sons' sons. You go out there and teach them. Hey, each and every one of us have a testimony. We have something that we can teach that young man coming up. We have some. I don't care where you come from or where you're at right now. It ain't hopeless. As long as you have breath, Jesus Christ is still alive. He can change your life and he can use you. You know when it's hopeless? When you die without Christ. It's hopeless. Done. There's nothing else that can be done at that point. 1 Corinthians 16 says, watch ye, stand fast, <laughs> and be strong. Stand fast. You know what that word stand fast? It's one who, who stands firm, one who's rigid, one who's unyielding, one who provides a, a secure hold. My, look at you guys are blessed in this church that you have that. But it's not going on in America, my friends. Don't be deceived uh, that all churches are not what you guys have. Uh, not all churches have men who've said, I'm going to stand fast. Uh, nothing's going to move us. We're going to be unyielding. We're not moving in this thing. I don't care what happens. That's not the stand in American churches today. You know how I know that? Look at them closing down. Why? Because men have left off standing fast. They've lost their foothold. They've lost that foundation, Jesus Christ. They've lost. That's why Jesus Christ says, remember where thou hast fallen. Remember where you came from. Men have lost their foothold. They have slipped from the firm foundation that's in Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 3, verses 11 through 13 says this, For other foundation can no man lay uh, that, with, that is laid, uh, which is Jesus Christ. Uh, there's a firm foundation that's on Jesus Christ. There is no other foundation on which you can build. I don't care what you try, it will never work. I watch many of my friends that are in jail and prison build on a religious foundation. And when the storm comes, great is the fall. And then next time you go to them and you try, try to have a, a talk with them, and go, well, I tried that already. And I'll go, my friend, do me a favor and please stop trying. Let Jesus Christ do it. You stop trying. You let Jesus Christ do it. He'll make a difference in your life. You see, because somebody has come along and took their profession and told them they're okay. That's the Holy Ghost job, by the way. It's not my job. It's not any other missionary or pastor's job. It's the Holy Ghost job to let them know exactly where they stand with Jesus Christ. 
And thank God, I often tell this, <laughs> I always get myself in trouble when I say this. We all believe that the, the King James Bible is the perfect word of God. At least I hope we all do. And when that is being preached, and the Holy Ghost is bringing conviction amongst the pews, who do you think is making people doubt? Everybody's going to say, well, it's the devil. Why would the devil want to make you doubt and see where you can get saved? Jesus Christ, you know what they said? The disciples said, why don't you tell us plainly? He said, I did, and you didn't believe. Why do you make us doubt, they said. You mean to tell me, when that Bible's being preached and the Holy Ghost is moving amongst the pews, the devil's more powerful than that? And he's the one making people doubt? Oh, no, my friend. This is where we got this thing mixed up. As men who are saved men, we need, to, we need to believe again and not just a profession. We need to believe again in a changed life, watching their life. That doesn't mean we go up there and say, well, you know, your life ain't changing fast enough in this era. That's not what we do. But we pray and we watch. What's the last time you fasted for somebody who just made a profession? And say, God, I'm holding because they're going to go through some things, but would you make it clear to them? Would you help them to see where they stand with Jesus? not just take another notch on our belt and just keep it moving. That's a sad, sad place to be. I got five minutes, right, brother? For no other foundation is laid, which is Christ. But look at verse 12. I'm going to read verse 12. Now, if any man, that means any, anybody, we're all vulnerable to this. He's going to give us something that each and every one of us can fall into this trap. He says, now, if any man build upon this foundation, gold, silver, precious stones, uh, wood, hay, you know what that is? That's things of the world, things of religion. Hey, people are trying today to bring the things of the world and call it church. <laughs> oh, man, what a, what a sad place it is when we watch churches bring things in that are, called, that are of the world and call it Christian. Because something has the name Christian on it doesn't mean it's Christian. It does not mean that Jesus Christ accepts it or God honors that. But today, all it's got to do is say, you know, the word Christian on it, it's all good. You know why? Men have lost their stand. I hear men all the time, I am a King James Bible believer. I said, that's about all you are because you ain't no King James liver. I can tell by the way you talk. I can hear it in what's your voice. I, can, I know what books you're studying. I know what you're reading. I know what commentaries you're coming out of. You believe what other men wrote about this book. Pastor, I'm going to say this. I believe a King James Bible for what's written in it, not about it. Because of what's written in it, it's changed my life. You see, when I got saved, I didn't know much about what was written about it. Now, I'm in with what's written about it. That's good study material. But my friend, let me tell you this, that is not going to take precedence in my life. I need to know what's in it, what God has to tell me about it. Then I'll be concerned about what somebody else might have an opinion about. You know what's sad? When I sit down and, and talk to men and we have good Bible discussions and we have a good time, I, I love fellowshipping and talking. I will hear them and say, well, you know, this book said this, so, you know, oh, man. That goes clearly against what the Bible says. Well, you know, oh, there's no well you know, my friend. You're, you're a King James what? Because you're not a liver. Look, at, let me just say this before I get ready to close here. Men, I don't care how many verses you know. If you can't live them, it's worthless. 
You understand that? It's worthless. Jesus Christ didn't give us a Bible to know it and then just put it away. No, he said to put, hide this in our heart that we might not sin against thee. That means there's something that we have to do. We have to live these things that God has given us. But we're busy building it on other foundations. He says, every man's work shall be made manifest in the day that shall declare, but it's going to be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. And you know, the sad thing is this, is I hear many men, and they hear, oh, you know, they say, well, what kind of ministry are you in? Oh, I'm, I'm, in, you know, I'm in a jail and prison ministry. Oh, okay, oh, that's nice. What if I said that about your church? What if I said that, Pastor? I said, oh, yeah, good, you're a pastor here. And, and, and you know what? That would break your heart about every single person that's your people in this church that God has given you. Because I'm in a jail and prison ministry doesn't mean I'm like every other jail and prison ministry. I have a different calling in my jail and prison ministry. And this week you'll hear about what God has done and is doing with the liberty behind bars. But let me tell you this. Is there, how many are going to Mexico? How many are going to Japan? How many are going to here and there? But do we, we don't say, well, another missionary to Mexico? My friends, there's not enough missionaries to reach the people in jail and prison. There's not enough to reach them in Mexico, Africa, or anywhere else. There's not enough to reach them here in America. God has put a calling on each and every one of our lives. And you know what he wants us to do? Stand fast. Men, plant your feet. Look at if there's one church, or maybe three that you have started, uh, but if there's one church that people are going to know these men have stood their ground and planted their feet, let it be this one. Let it be here. Let it be here and let these men that may come in from the streets, that may come in from jails and prisons, that may come in from mental hospitals or world, let them come in and say, there's some men there. They have something. We want that. Let them desire what you have, not who you are or what you do. Men, stand up. And be men. I'm done.